Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Purposing to let him move and let him have his way. And these are the days and these are the hour in which we're living that God just wants to reveal himself. He wants to be known and he wants to know you. If you'll just give him that place. We've been saying, as my wife said, we're purposing to make room this year. Purposing just to make room for him. And as you make room, he'll fill that void. And how many of you know that when God brings his stuff, it's good? Amen. My mother-in-law, we're getting ready and been working on bringing her up from Oklahoma. And she's going to be bringing her stuff. (laughs) But... (laughs) It's not like Jesus, let me tell you. <laughs> so, my point is, is that when Jesus brings us stuff, you can be assured that it's going to be good. Amen. And so, you know, uh, I've been married. I don't know why I'm sharing that with you, but, you know, I've been married for going on 22 years and uh, been, you know, hanging out with this young lady for about, oh, 24 years almost. And... Uh, have gotten to know her mother from a distance because she lives in Oklahoma. And uh, so we've talked to her from time to time, you know, whether or not she wants to come up this way. And she's always wanted to stay down there. But just, uh, you know, health is getting uh, more fragile. And so we've been making preparations and trying to get it worked out so where we can get her up here. And I just, you know, in, in contemplating and thinking about that, I'm thinking, you know, I've had a mother-in-law. I know that. I have. But I've never had a mother-in-law, if you know what I mean. And so after 22 years of marriage and at being 50 years of age, I am finally getting a mother-in-law. And I don't know how to handle that. So pray for me, okay? (laughs) And so (laughs) Jesus is going to bring his stuff too, okay? I'm just saying. So anyways, uh, amen. So, yeah, pray for us. So within this year, we'll be making that move, and so it'll be good and uh, excited about that. And so uh, people have asked me, they said, is she going to come to your church? Is she coming here? And I'm like, well, there might be a few churches along the way. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being funny. Uh, <laughs> woo, praise the Lord. See, you get in the presence of Jesus, and then you just get kind of free. You know, woo, praise the Lord. <laughs> Well, are you ready to jump into today's message? Amen. Uh, I hope that you are ready. Uh, We're going to be getting into a series for the next just couple weeks, and it's just simply uh, a a message entitled Balanced. And it's one of those messages that, you know, the moment you start talking about it, people just kind of clench up and tighten up, like, oh, had I known we were going to talk about that today, I'd have stayed home. It's Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. I'd have got things ready a little bit earlier. I'd have slept in because I'm going to stay up late and I got to go to work. So, but listen, it's going to be a good series. And again, it's going to be one of those messages that I, I know that God is going to speak to our hearts about. And really, it's the, the message or it's simply the conversation of talking about how God wants to bless us in our life and the way that God chooses to bless us and how many of you know that the way that God blesses us and brings blessing into our life is totally opposite as to what the world or those that are apart from the kingdom of God experience right God has a whole system by which he wants to bless us and take care of us and help us and so uh, we're going to talk about just that subject of giving and what that looks like and so uh, my hope is is that as we begin to share on this message this in these next couple weeks that you won't learn something. My desire is that you won't learn something, but my hope is is that you will have a revelation of God's system of increasing and blessing you in your life. Because again, God has a desire for you to live the best life you can ever experience. So many people think that, you know, when I get to heaven, it's going to be great. But God says, I desire that you experience heaven on earth. And so we can begin to experience that kind of life here on this earth. Does that make sense? 
Come on, you ought not get to heaven and say, whoa, isn't this amazing? I mean, it should not be the first time you experience some form of heaven because God says, I want you to know heaven here on this earth. Does that make sense? And so, again, when we start talking about giving, I realize it's, you know, people say, you know, uh, uh, yeah, you're that church that talks about money. You're all about the money. Listen, do you realize that, you know, whenever we've tried to establish a project or do something that God's told us to do, we've never had the money? It's always been a process of saying, God, you said it, that settles it, we're just going to believe you for it. And so once again, you know, people say, you know, when it comes to uh, teaching on tithing, you know, do you, do you teach on, or excuse me, teaching on giving? Do you teach in, uh, on giving, you know, often? And the answer is yes, every Sunday. Every Sunday, we preach and we teach on giving. Now, obviously, money is a factor of that, but do you realize that giving is far more and it exceeds beyond just the subject of money right i mean listen the very nature and the very character and the very personality of who god is is a giver in fact finish the sentence for me for god so loved the world that he that he gave he gave his son and so god himself is a giver it's the very nature of who he is and therefore he gave jesus and jesus gave his life so the very attribute nature character of who god is is to be a giver and he lives on the inside of us right and so if he the giver lives in us do you think that that might just affect you just a little bit in the way you think, in the way you talk, the way you act, and maybe in the way that you give? Absolutely. Thank you for that uh, uh, outstanding amen and praise the Lord on that. Amen. <laughs> and again, I realize that there's critics, you know, like, well, you just talk about money. No, listen. Uh, in fact, uh, this past Friday, <coughs> this past Friday when we had our uh, uh, dream team banquet uh, somebody came up to me after uh, the banquet and says you know man you know I just got to hand it to you he said you know it's got to be difficult to get up and talk about giving and talk about money because of just how you know people portray the church and my answer is no it's not hard at all it's not hard to talk about the heart of God it's not hard to talk about giving because it is God's system by which he prospers us now it's difficult at times because you know how people perceive it and you're thinking okay yeah i know that one and if i say i know that one you know who i'm talking about right that one yeah when i start <laughs> when i start talking about giving they're thinking oh dear god they're talking about giving but listen it is god's system by which we can purpose to experience his best and let me just say this, when it comes to you prospering in life, how many of you know that prospering is not just monetary? God desires for you to prosper in every single area of your life. If you prosper financially, but your marriage or your health or your family is in a mess, does all the money in the world mean anything? No. So God's desire is that we would prosper in every aspect in every area of life and so he gives us a way in which he can partner with us in this life and so in proverbs chapter 4 i want to just bring this verse to your attention in proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 it says this it says honor the lord with the first part of your increase let me read it from the king james or the new king james it says honor the lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase everybody say all. all the bible says that honor or worship the lord with the first part of our increase that first part is referring to the tithe that first part is the first tenth or ten percent and he says honor the lord with this so in other words it's an extension of our heart of worship it's an extension of our heart towards god but once again when you think about it he says this he says now when you honor me this way he says listen i'll open up blessings for you he says your barn shall be filled with plenty he says your vats shall be overflowing and you might say but i don't have barns and i don't have vats but listen you have a life don't you and so the bible says that when you honor god with the first part or the 
tenth or the tithe of your increase, God says, you have given me permission to partner with you in life and to bless your life with abundance in every single area of your life. Now, you know, from time to time, you'll talk to individuals and, and they'll say this, you know, I, I, I'm a tither, Pastor. You know, I tithe 4%. <laughs> the word tithe means 10%. So uh, 4%, you know, you're just kind of working your way up to it. Or, or there'll be individuals, well, you know, I bring 4%, I give 4% to my church, and then 6% uh, I give to local charities. I mean, you know, it's okay to give to charities, but, you know, God says, listen, honor me first with the first fruits, with the first tenth, so that I have a means or the ability to bring heaven to earth and get involved in the affairs of your life. Amen? He says, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, therefore, God says, listen, this is a way by which we can partner together and I can help you. How many of you know that the very nature of who God is is a giver, right? One of the very names of God is Jehovah Jireh, the God that sees ahead and provides is the translation of it. I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the God that sees ahead. I know what's coming around the corner. I know what your need's going to be. And so I'm seeing ahead and I'm providing for you for when you get there. And when we partner together, I've already got squared away. Another name for God is El Shaddai. The God that is more than enough. How many of you know that God is not just a barely enough kind of God? He says, my cup runneth what? Over. So you put your cup in front of God. God doesn't just fill it up halfway and say, there you go, and aren't I a good God? No, he doesn't just fill it up to the top and say, see, I filled it up. No, the way God does, you put your cup in front of him, he pours and fills it up till it's overflowing. Amen. That's the kind of God that we serve, and that's the kind of God that wants to be invested and partnered with us in our life. Again, that name El Shaddai also is defined as in the Hebrew as the multi-breasted one. What does that mean? One kid, 70 breasts. More than enough. There's ample supply. Come on. How many of you know that God doesn't run out of resources? And he said, I will supply your needs according to his riches in glory. So in other words, all of heaven's resources come to help you and aid you when you have an exchange with God. And I'm talking about being a giver. And I'm not just talking about giving financially. He says, listen, I'll bless you for finances, but man, I'll come over here and I'll get in your life. I'll get involved in your marriage. I'll get involved with your kids. Amen. I mean, I, I just looked out and saw a fisherman. I mean, do you know that God can get in your boat with you? I mean, you're heading out to the lake and say, God, I'm a blessed man. And so as I get out to the lake today, I thank you for a bountiful blessing of fish today. You think, oh, come on now. Why not? Why not God, get God invested in my recreation, in my leisure? Right? Well, maybe I'm just a good fisherman. Well, how many of you know that Jesus knows how to catch fish? <laughs> he sank a boat. Had to call some other people. Man, nets were breaking. I'm telling you, he knows how to catch fish. There's some pastor friends of ours, and uh, her brother-in-law and sister have a place up in Canada, a, a hunting and fishing lodge. And so she said, man, I just wanted to go up there, and I just wanted to have some R&R, get some relaxation, just clear my head. So she went up there to spend the week with her uh, uh, sister and brother-in-law. And so she had never shot a firearm before, but she says, you know what, I want to go bear hunting. So they showed her how to shoot the gun. She figured that out, said, okay, I can do it. And so they said, well, here's one of our best guides. We're going to uh, have you go with him, and he's going to put you in a place where uh, we bait the bear, and he, they're, they're going to come in. And she says, all right, praise the Lord. And she said this. She goes, you know what? I'm just believing God that within the first 15 minutes, I'm going to get my bear. And the, 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 the guide said to her, says, listen, <laughs> little lady, it don't work that way. We sit you out there, and it might take all day long, and it's never, never in the history of our camp have we ever got a bear that quick. Okay. She goes out there and sits in the blind, and then with 15 minutes, this record bear comes out, and she shoots the thing dead. 
I mean, you talk about strutting around like a peacock. I mean, she was like thinking she's hot stuff. <laughs> Tell me I can't get no bear in 15 minutes. You forgot, man. God got in the blind with me, and he's hunting with me, so praise the Lord. Amen. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? God is El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. He is the God that gets in your boat, gets in your life, gets in your marriage, gets in your family because he's a giving God and he wants us to learn how to have a, an exchange of a balanced life of saying, God, if I'll purpose to learn how to be a giver, Lord, you'll partner with me in this life in every single area of my life. So here, let's ask a question. Why? Why did God create giving? I mean, of all the things, why did God create giving? Quickly, uh, people uh, uh, respond by saying, well, uh, we give because we need to fund the work of God. And that, I, I don't necessarily believe that that's the case. Now, obviously, there's areas in which uh, we give and partner in labor. The Bible says that we co-labor with God. And therefore, when we give, it helps promote and fund the gospel. It helps support the church. But I mean, let's really be honest. Does God need your money to be God? No. I mean, he created the universe. He spoke it into existence. And so you think he needs our measly little giving and offering to be able to be constricted or bound to be able to be God? No, he doesn't need our money. So why is it important that God created or what is the significance of him creating this uh, 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 kingdom principle of giving? You see, God did not create giving for his benefit. He created giving for our benefit. He created giving so that we could be the beneficiaries of the exchange with God partnering with us. Amen? And it is impossible. It is impossible to have a fully surrendered life toward God or towards people and not have a generous and giving heart. I'll say that again. It's impossible to have a surrendered heart towards God it's impossible to have a surrendered heart towards people if I don't have a generous, giving heart. Amen? And the Bible says this. The Bible says that we are created in the very image and in the very likeness of God. Right? I mean, I look at my little boy and I look at some of his mannerisms and some of the things he says. And, and sometimes it makes me laugh because I'm thinking, that is a mini-me. I mean, he acts like me in some ways. And my wife says the same thing, but she has a tone in her voice. He acts just like you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, why? Because I'm his dad. And so the nature of who his dad is is the nature of who he is. And so God said that he's created us in the image and in the likeness of him, God being a giver. And so therefore, in order for us to experience God's blessing, we've got to learn how to cooperate with God's principles, right? The Bible says that we labor together, and therefore this principle of giving allows us to labor with Him and allows God to bring back the channels of blessing in our life. Now, when it comes to giving, giving is not a responsibility. Giving is not an obligation Giving is not something that we uh, are burdened to do. Really, giving is a privilege. It's a privilege because we become the salt in the light in this earth. Amen? I said when we become givers and, and truly experience the privilege of being a giver, we become the salt and the light in this earth. What does that mean? It means the very character and the nature of who you are begins to shine who he is. You know, when you put salt on something, it makes it savory. It makes it something that you want to taste or sample or experience. And the, the Bible says that you become salt or your life becomes something that is appealing to people. Man, I, I, I want to experience the kind of life that you have because of the example that I'm seeing in front of me. Amen? And we could go on to say this as well, that it's impossible to fulfill the purpose that God has ordained us to, to fulfill on this earth without being a giver. I'll say that again. It's impossible for us 
to fulfill the God-given purpose in this earth without being a giver. Because you realize that giving isn't about us. How many of you know that the Bible says that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve? So in other words, Jesus did not come to this earth for himself. He came to this earth for you and me. And so therefore, if we are to model his example, our lives are not for ourselves. There's a purpose for something bigger than just us. Amen? So when we purpose to learn how to be givers, now again, please don't just hear that word giving and say, oh, money, money. I'm talking about being a giver. You see, when you become a giver, it breaks the back of selfishness in our life. It's so easy to be self-indulgent, isn't it? Life is about me. When it comes to marriage, it's all about me. When it comes to the workplace, it's all about me. When it comes to church, it's all about me. No, when we purpose to learn how to, be, <clears throat> excuse me, how to be generous and be givers in our life, it breaks the back of selfishness in our life. Let me go on to say this. It also breaks the back of the lie that tells us that we have to protect ourselves from God. Why is that? Or what do I mean by that? You see, the moment that we start talking about giving, many times people start tightening up. <clears throat> talking about giving. Doggone it. This could have been that one week that I sat home, but I've got to sit here, put a smile on my face, and listen about giving. <clears throat> well, why is it that we all of a sudden tighten up? You see, religion tells us to fear God. And so therefore, when we hear that word giving or you hear us talking about money and you immediately tighten up, why is that the case? It's because you've bought into the lie that when you give, it's left your life. You've bought into the lie that when you give, you're actually losing something. But God says in order for you to gain something, you've got to learn how to give. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. You know, I, I grew up in a small church uh, growing up as a kid. But you know, those people of that small church growing up, they just purpose to invest in the young generation. Do you realize that your giving is imparting into a future generation? In a future generation of leaders. And out of that small church, that church put out so many preachers, several that were in my age, age group. One guy's over in uh, Minneapolis. Another guy, he's in Chicago. Another one uh, is over in Otisville. I mean, uh, another one up in Saginaw. Uh, other ones that are on the mission field. And again, it's a result of people that have invested in that future generation, knowing that it had an eternal purpose. And as little as that church was and in insignificant and just really kind of lost in obscurity in a community, it has made an eternal difference. You know, we had our Christmas concert here just back in uh, December, and I invited some of my old pastors. They were my youth pastors to begin with, and then they became my pastors. And when I was a teenager, man, I'm telling you, they gave of themselves for me they gave of their time their talent their love for me i remember as a young teenage boy just being stupid and doing what stupid boys do and just being wild and running crazy i remember coming home one time and it's my parents and my youth pastors downstairs on the floor praying for me and i'm trying to sneak up the stairs so i don't have to be accountable for what i was just doing but they were giving of themselves and so they came to the christmas concert and they saw the crowd of people. They saw the building. They saw what you guys have done. But they also saw the investment of what they gave 30, 40 years ago. And she's sitting here looking at all you people and looking at the church. And she's got tears in her eyes. And she's like, wow, look at what you've done. And I said, listen, we couldn't have done this if it wasn't for you, for what you've invested in me. What you poured into my life. You see, when you give, it's changing.
the lives of somebody else. There is an, there's an eternal reward attached to your giving. Amen? Secondly, there's just three points that I want to make concerning our giving. Number two. Number one is we asked, answer the question, why did God create giving? Number two, tithing and giving will keep a God-first heart. If you'll purpose to be a tither and a giver, it will cause you to have a God-first heart or a God-first life. Do you realize that, again, another name for God is He's the Alpha? The Alpha means He's the first. Now, we can do our best with our lifestyles. We can do our best with our choices and actions to put him second, put him third. But it don't matter how far you try to push God down the ladder or the list of priorities in your life. The Bible says that God says, my name is Alpha or I am first. And so God will always be first. It's just a matter of whether or not you'll allow him to be first in your life. Amen. And so therefore, just simply having the opportunity to say, God, I'm going to be a tither. The first tenth, the first part of my increase, I'm going to honor you. And therefore, as a result, you will bless my life with plenty. And you think, dear God, 10%? I mean, some people might knew this this morning the first time they've been in church and think oh dear god what a sunday i came to come to church listen i'd rather somebody get on the right 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 path right from the get-go than struggling all their life and finally oh dear god you mean that's what god asks that's what god wants to partner with me listen i realize when we talk about uh uh ten percent people say ten percent you must be out of your mind i am and i want you to get out of your mind and I want you to get into the mind of God and into the heart of God to know how God desires to prosper you and increase you in this life. Amen? He wants you to understand that there is a different kind of life to live, and it's a blessed life. It's a good life. Amen? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this, and for the sake of time, I'll just paraphrase it for you. He says, don't lay up for yourself treasures where moth and rust can corrupt and destroy it. He's not saying, now don't save. It's, it's, it's important to save over in the book of Proverbs. It tells you it's, it's good to be a good steward. But he says, lay out for yourself treasures in heaven. And then he goes on to say this. He says, where your heart is, or excuse me, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now again, you've got to hear what Jesus said. This isn't Pastor Tony. This is Jesus. He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He did not say where your heart is, your treasure will be. He said, listen, if I look at your bank statements, if I look at the last year of expenditures, he says, I can tell you where your heart is because where your treasure is, that's exactly where your heart is. Amen? And so Jesus said, and I know that that's really sobering, isn't it? Oh, dear God, you mean uh, what I purpose to give or what I purpose to do with my money is a revealer of my heart? Absolutely. It is. Your tithe, your giving into the kingdom of God connects your heart to the investment that you make. It connects your heart to God. And Jesus said this. He says, listen, you can honor me with your lips, but even though you come in and sing the praises, you got a smile on your face. He says, your heart can be far from me. Amen? Let me ask you the question. Have you ever noticed from time to time that your heart has just gotten kind of stagnant in your relationship with God? I mean, you don't have to be afraid to raise your hand. I mean, right? We all have. Or it's just like, God, it just seems like my relationship with you has just grown stagnant. Then we got to check up on some things. Amen? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me just give you a natural example as to how that bears out. For instance, as I said, if we were to look at your bank account, we could tell what's most important to you. It goes for every single one of us. But let's just say, for instance, you had an extra $20,000. And so you're saying, you know what? I am purposing to make some investments. And therefore, you know what? I'm going to call my broker friend, and I'm going to tell him to invest this $20,000 into Amazon stock. 
And then you might have the conversation, you know, after it gets to a certain place, after we've made so much, maybe we'll sell it off and we'll reinvest in different areas. But let me just ask you the question. Maybe you've never even uh, opposed to think about it. But if you invested $20,000 into Amazon, and I'm not talking about like the rainforest or the, you know, talking about Amazon, the, the packaging company, right? You invested $20,000 into Amazon. How many of you think that you would start watching Amazon stock? Wave your hand at me if you think you would. Oh, sure you would. I mean, you would have the app on your phone. You'd be, okay, yeah, notify me when it goes up, notify me when it goes down. And so therefore, because you have made an investment, your heart is going to be attached to that. And therefore, you're going to be consistently checking up on your investment, right? Because you care about that. Because you're believing for increase. You're believing for provision, right? Listen. When you invest into the kingdom of God, it connects your heart to where you're invested. I want to see my church grow. I want to see this place packed out because I'm making an investment there. Because when I invest, man, it blesses me back in return. And I'm expecting to see some amazing things happen because of the investment that I make. Amen. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? I'm believing that because I'm investing in the kingdom of God, there is going to be a return. And your giving reveals what is on the inside. It gives a picture of your heart. For the sake of time, again, I don't know if they'll get it up there. I don't think I gave them the notes. But I want to just look at Luke chapter 16 real quick. You doing okay? All right, Luke chapter 16. Let's look at this in verse 10. If they can get it up there, wonderful. I'm going to read about four verses. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 10. It says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or wealth or riches, who will commit to you true or trust to you true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or each he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And then in verse 14, it says, And the Pharisees, or the religious people that were hearing Jesus say this, got upset about it. So, let's break that down for just a minute. The Bible says that he says, Now, when it comes to your giving, he says... You'll be faithful with a little. If you're faithful with a little, you'll be trusted with more. But then this whole paradigm of what he's talking about is actually talking about the tithe. Because you realize that the tithe belongs to God. Right? And he says, now, if you're faithful with a little and that which is another man's, you realize Jesus is 100% man, right? And in Hebrews, the Bible says that we receive tithe here on earth, but actually Jesus receives it in heaven. So there's a spiritual transaction. It's a spiritual application and principle. And he says, now, if you can't be faithful with that, is, which is another man, speaking of the tithe, then how do we think that God will entrust you with true riches, and true riches is really people? So in other words, God is saying, I'm looking, and I want to bless you. But there is a connection here for us to partner together. And once again, just so that you understand the very heart of God, there are over a thousand scriptures throughout the Bible that talk about God wanting to prosper you. Now, let's just put that in perspective. If I told you that I was going to write a book, and in the book there's only two sentences about my kids, You'd probably say, man, that man must not really care about his kids that much. Right? But in God's book, over a thousand times, he says, man, I want to prosper my kids. I love my kids. I want to do for my kids, right? And anybody that has kids in here, you know that you give excessively to benefit your children, right? I mean, concerning my wife, I mean, there's never been a time that I've ever heard my wife say, but what about me? What about me? We got to buy that kid's school clothes. No. As a parent, you just go over and above to bless your children, don't you? 
Because you look at yourself and say, you know, I remember some hardships. I remember some things. And I want to give my children a better life than what I've even experienced, right? I mean, last night, my wife, she took my uh, uh, middle daughter up to the Bertrand Mall, and, and my daughter wanted to buy these Crocs. You know, you know what Crocs are? I mean, they're, they're those ugly styrofoam shoes. I mean, they're just the stupidest looking things. Forgive me if you like Crocs. But they're just hideous, and they're not cheap for these little plastic pieces of foam. But she wanted them. So... <laughs> You would like Crocs. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but so she takes her up there, and she gets these Crocs. And so the fashion thing is to put these little charms and things in the shoes, accessorize them. Yeah, she comes back and just thinks she's so cool. And I'm thinking, dear God, those are ugly. <laughs> but you know what? I'm like, well, if you like them, babe, okay. Well, so why did my wife do that? She could have enforced her opinion or will and say, you know what? You're not buying those ugly shoes. I ain't spending money on those. No. She just says, you know what? I just want to love on you. I just want to bless you. Does that make sense? So God is no different when it comes to us, right? And so therefore, God is entrusting us. He says, if you'll be faithful with that, which is another man, he will extend to you true riches. And so he says, now, tithe belongs to me. That first 10%... Of your increase belongs to me. And in Malachi, it says this. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Bring it. So listen. You can only bring something that belongs to somebody. Right? For instance, take my glasses for a minute. If I said to my wife, I said, hey, babe, can you bring me my glasses? All right. She brought me my glasses. But wouldn't it sound funny if she went out into the atrium there and says, you know what, I just gave my husband a pair of glasses. She didn't give me a pair of glasses. They were my glasses. And she brought them to me. Does that make sense? And so therefore, God's saying, listen, the tithe belongs to me. Therefore, bring it to church so that I can open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. So listen, when you have that tithe in your hand or you contemplate what to do with that tithe, you have two choices with that tithe. You can either bring it or you can steal it. I said you can bring it. Or you can steal it. And you're thinking, Pastor, are you not done talking yet? Come on. <laughs> Amen. But listen, this is what Jesus was talking about. And he says to him, he says, now listen, you're going to either serve two masters or one of two masters. You will serve God or you will serve riches. And by the track record of your giving is an expression of your heart. And it says that the Pharisees got angry. I said the Pharisees got angry. So when we talk about giving, does your feathers get ruffled? Do you get a little bit agitated? Oh, dear God, he's talking about giving. Talking about that tithing things again. It might be an indication what's ruling in life. And I'm not trying to be hard. I'm just simply saying God's wanting to partner with us so that he can, so we can experience his best life for us right now. Amen? So there's a fine line. There's a fine line between prospering God's way or not prospering. And it's a little thing called a dime. Do you realize that a dime should have had a dime? Do I have one? Anybody got a dime? Anybody got a dime? I got a dime. Praise the Lord. I brought my tithe. Come on, man. <laughs> How many of you know that this dime, the one-tenth of a dollar, is a choice? And we're going to stand before God one day, and he's going to say, you know what? I desired to prosper your life, and there was so much that I wanted you to experience, and there was a purpose and a plan that I had for you, but you let that dime keep you from my best and actually the choice that you made you chose to suffer and struggle in a lot of different areas your marriage was struggling because you chose 
that little thin piece of metal. You chose to struggle in the area of your finances because you chose to hold back that little dime. Are you tracking with me this morning? You realize that there's a money test because it's a heart test. You doing okay this morning? Can you give me just a few more minutes? We'll wrap it up real quick. We'll make it painless. Be like ripping a Band-Aid off, okay? (laughs) Do you realize that there is a test that God is endeavoring to challenge us in? And it might be just something small. Like I said, it might be a dime. It might be $5. I've shared the story before, but I remember when I was at Bible college, uh, I was going to exhortation. I was on the front row because I was a front row guy. I wanted to be in the front row. And I looked across the front row, and I saw another guy over there two rows over. And God said to me, he says, give him what's in your wallet. And I said, God, I don't have anything in my wallet. He says, give him what's in your wallet. And I'm like, God. I checked my wallet this morning before I went to school, and I didn't have any money in my wallet. And a third time, God says, give them what's in your wallet. And I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to prove to you that I don't. And I opened it up, and I was being smart with God. I'm like, I'll show you. I don't have anything. And when I opened it up, there was a $5 bill. And then I started wrestling again. I'm like, well, God, it's only $5. What's $5 going to do? $5 isn't going to help that guy. But you realize that that man... That guy may have been believing for $5. He may have needed five more dollars for a bill. And so I'm like, okay, God. I walked over and I says, I don't know if this means anything or if you're needing $5 or whatever the case might be, but God said, give you what's in my wallet. I have $5. And so I just wanted to bless you. Here you go. <laughs> right? But it was a money test to say, God, can I trust you in my life? Can I trust you to be, bring blessing in my life even when it's $5? And see, when you begin to understand the heart of generosity and how it impacts people, listen, it gets you excited to do so. Again, I've shared the story with you at, uh, at different times. I remember when I was cutting my grass and I, I'm driving, uh, cutting the grass in my yard. This was several years back. One of my best friends, still one of my best friends uh, from high school, he's not a Christian man, but love him dearly and God's going to get a hold of his life. But I was driving, cutting my grass, and, and the Lord said to me, he says, go buy Scott a, a, a garage door opener. And I mean, it was like, I knew that I knew. And it was like around 8 o'clock. I was kind of late cutting grass. And so I jumped off the, the lawnmower, left it out there in the yard. I ran and told my wife, I said, I got to go to Sears and buy a, a, a garage door opener. She says, why? I said, because God told me to go buy one for Scott. She's like, okay. So I ran out there, went and bought the box, came back. I'm driving down the expressway, called Scott. I said, hey, Scott, I'm coming over. He said, what you coming over for? I said, I got something for you. He said, okay. So I got over to his house, and I said, Listen, I said, I was cutting grass. I know it's going to sound weird to you. I said, but I was cutting grass. And I said, God said to me to go buy you a garage door opener. I said, so here you go. And he's like, whoa, that is the weirdest thing. He said, my wife's birthday is tomorrow. And he says, that is what I was going to buy here was a garage door opener. So one, I got him the gift that he wanted, but I also got him out of the doghouse for buying his wife a garage door opener. You know what I mean? And so anyways, when you get excited about God being using you to be generous, you begin to transform and change lives. Amen? Does that make sense? I'll say this as well. When it comes to my kids, my kids will be tithers. It's my responsibility as a, as a dad to, to teach my son, son, this is what we do. It's not a burden. It's not something difficult. It's not an obligation or responsibility. This is how we worship. Because he's going to be a man one day. He's going to be a father. He's going to be a husband. And therefore, he needs to learn how to rule his home well. When it comes to my daughters, you know, there's going to be some, uh, some young kid that comes up. It might be your boy. And my daughter comes and says, you know what, dad? I really like so-and-so. You know what I'm going to do as a dad? I'm going to go check up on your boy. And I'm going to find out whether or not he's a tither or not. You say, you're going to really do that? Absolutely. You say, well, why would you check up to see if my son is a tither or not? Because if he will rob God for 10 cents for his selfish needs, what will he steal from my daughter when it push comes to shove, when he desires for something for himself? Does that make sense? So again, God desires to partner with us. Without being a giver, your marriage will fail. I said, without being a giver, 
your marriage will fail. In fact, the greatest marriages are marriages that were built upon two people that gave when they didn't want to. I'll say that again for the sake of those that needed to hear that. (laughs) I said a marriage will fail if you're not a giver. A great marriage is built upon two people, two people that gave when they didn't want to. Now, just for you in the, end of, in the event that you're thinking, I hope my wife heard that or my husband heard that when pastor said that, then you miss what I said. So go back and listen to this message, and hopefully God can speak to your heart through the recorded message, all right? All right, we'll move on. Praise the Lord. Number three. Can we do number three real quick? Number three, why God gave us this principle of giving how giving keeps us close to the heart of God. And number three, tithing and giving is an avenue that God uses to bring blessing to our life. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says this. It says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you have planted. Do you realize that a far- farmer relies totally and entirely on the seeds that he plants in order to have longevity of life and success for livelihood? I said, whatever a farmer sows or plants is the harvest that takes care of his life. Amen? Did you know that the Bible says this, that God gives seed to the sower? Come on, I know I'm going just a little bit long. You all right? Okay. I know I don't normally do this. Forgive me for you, you new people. You okay, right? Two minutes. Two minutes and we're done. The Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. And he says, and God multiplies the seed. This past Christmas, actually it was in October, I received this letter from the ministerial association that we're a part of. We've been in ministry for 20 plus years, 25 years at least. And I've never had the ministry organization get a hold of me and do this. But this year, they said, hey, listen, uh, we want to bless you for Christmas. Uh, send us a 1099 and we'll just, uh, uh, we're going to send you a gift. And I'm like, well, praise the Lord. I said, 1099, it must be you know, kind of nice, you know. Maybe a couple hundred bucks, you know. But awesome. So the check finally came in the mail, and it was a check for $2,000. Now, you might be saying, yeah, see, I knew that's how you made a living. You get checks from the ministry coming in from other places. No, that's not. I said that's never happened before. First time in the history of ministry has our ministry organization sent us a check for $2,000. Well, my wife and I, we go to this meeting in the beginning of January. In the beginning of January, uh, we go to Tennessee, and we uh, get into meetings with our pastors, and therefore, it's how we start the first part of the year. And so we go down there, and therefore, I'm purposing to, you know, this is what we're going to give. This is what I'm intending to do, putting my faith on it. Praise the Lord. But my wife kept saying, she kept saying, what are you going to give? I'm like, just leave me alone. I got it settled. Just pipe down, woman. So we got it. And I write out my envelopes every, every offering. She kept coming back to me. What are you going to give? I'm going to give what I think I need to give, all right? So the last, the last service came. And she says, what are you going to give? And God had been dealing with me the whole time. So the Bible says that God gives seed to the sower. So you can eat your seed or you can sow your seed. So, I'm like, well, we just got a check for $2,000. So, it kind of seems like that's a good seed right now. Praise the Lord. Ha! Glory to God. <laughs> right? So, what did I do? We sowed an additional offering of $2,000. Now, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm living my faith out in front of you. You do whatever God's called you to do. I'm simply saying that a farmer lives by the seed that is sown. And therefore, I don't put pressure on man. I don't put pressure on you for offering. I'm just telling you what God's plan of purpose is. And therefore, we purpose to live by faith and trust God. Amen? And so, again, just in real quick closing, your giving affects eternity. And so, when you choose to hold on to that 10%, that dime... You are choosing to steal somebody's eternity. And you're choosing to rob the effects of the death, burial, and resurrection for somebody's life. Because you say, you know what? I can use that better for myself. Amen. Let's stand. 
Praise the Lord. This makes you want to come back to church again, don't it? Woo! <laughs> How many of you know that I love you, right? How many of you know that God loves you? Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I hope you heard me this morning. More importantly, I hope that you heard God. If you're looking at your life and you're saying, God, it's not what I want it to be, then I encourage you, just let God partner with you. You might be that individual that's saying, you know what, I'm tithing. But I'm not seeing the blessing of the Lord. In fact, it just seems like our house is divided. This seems like we're going different directions. And my spouse, they're tithing, but man, it just seems like we've got turmoil in our house. And here's the thing that I would challenge you. Stop looking at tithing and giving as an obligation. Because if it's an obligation and a burden and you're doing it out of religious duty, you're robbing the blessing from your own life. Because you're looking at it as a loss rather than God's provision plan. So just make the tweak of heart and say, God, we're going to give generously. And we're going to trust you. And watch the blessings begin to unfold. Dear Heavenly Father, every person that's in this place, I trust that they heard the very heart of God speaking. And that we're learning to become more generous and being people that will trust you. And so God, we thank you. That blessing is upon us. This is the year of more, the year of double, the year of increase. And we expect it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites which can be found at our website gvchurch.tv we know that today's message has been a blessing to you thanks for listening we are genesee valley church loving god loving people and loving life